So I'll study the things that got me paid, got my team paid, and I will double down on those and try to figure out how do I replicate that? The other thing from a foundational perspective, I am very big on relationships and resources. So I am not, you know, I'm in technology today. I'm not a super technical guy. I'm just very resourceful. I know the smart people that I need to bring into the room, but I can get the door open better than most anyone. And that's the key. That's my superpower. So know what your superpowers are, build your strategy around that, figure out who you need in the boat with you. Welcome to the Best of Sales Skills Podcast. I'm Mark Minas, outbound sales trainer and founder of Sales Development Australia. Thank you for listening. Today, we have Carlson Hetty on the show. And Carlson came to me as he was highly recommended by a couple of people inside my network as someone I just had to have on the show. And he certainly didn't disappoint. Carlson is the director of health solutions over at Microsoft, and he is a social selling expert. In this show, we talk about how he's using social selling to open and close large enterprise deals at the coalface, both him and his team. So Carlson is a two times author, um, two books. One's called Birth of a Salesman and the other is Salesman on Fire, as well as um, running a podcast called Social Selling for Newbies. You'll be surprised at Carlson's approach to volume outreach, particularly how Carlson balances the volume versus quality play, the quality part of his prospecting and messaging. A good example of this would be the massive amount of people he would try to connect with inside his targeted accounts so that he can socially surround his prospects. It's a very unique approach to sales outreach. So Carlson shares his sales foundations and approach to outreach for those C's level clients. You'll also find Carlson's very intelligent, he speaks well, and he has a clear process to support his strategy. So let's jump in and have a listen to Carlson Heady. Carlson Heady, welcome to the Best of Sales Skills podcast. Thanks for coming on the show. Mark, thanks so much for having me. Good to see you. Yeah, mate, I'm very, very pleased that you've um, agreed to come on. So uh, you've got a really strong pedigree in sales and social selling. Um, we're going to talk a lot about social selling today, particularly social selling at the in the enterprise uh, space. So um, I wouldn't be doing the introduction justice without re-mentioning, of course, you've got you're, you're an author a couple of times over, so well done, uh, Birth of a Salesman and Salesman on Fire. So people could check that out. But you're coming to us right now as the Director of Health Solutions for Microsoft in, in USA. That sounds like a pretty impressive role, Carson. Tell us a little bit about what you do then. So I get the great, immense pleasure, Mark, of uh, working in our U.S. healthcare space. And I have a team uh, that supports a lot of our med device and med tech uh, organizations. And uh, furthermore, I'm the social selling lead for all of Microsoft Healthcare U.S., which was not a formal uh, role or title before. Uh, it's just been because of uh, the success that uh, social and digital selling has had in our enterprise space. So eager to break into some of that today and uh, you know evangelize uh, what social selling has done for me. Yeah. Look, and I'm really interested to learn, you know, what do you do? Like, how do you actually use social selling to, to break into those big health space, space accounts that you and Microsoft are chasing? Um, but just to give you some listeners some idea about your authority in this space, like I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, you know, you've created social selling programs, obviously for Microsoft, but as well as Dale Carnegie, is that is that true? 
Yeah, so I've done some uh, contributions for a lot of sales training uh, globally, and, and Dale Carnegie was one of them. Um, recently uh, worked with them for a social selling curriculum. Yep. So Dale, I think the first sales training course I ever did was a Dale Carnegie training course, you know, way back in, you know, when things were black and white, just about, and I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and lastly, you've got your own show called Social Selling for Newbies. So people can catch that. I'll, I'll make sure I put that in the, in the show notes along with the, the two books so people can chase those if they need to. Tell us a little bit about that um, project you've got running. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I call myself an accidental podcaster because it actually, at the beginning of the pandemic, I started having these conversations. I was missing just talking about sales, like, you know, the, the old water cooler talk. And then I realized, my goodness, I can talk to anybody in the world about sales at any time. And uh, that was very freeing. So I just started having these conversations. It turned into a, a little show that I was doing. Um, I just didn't want to commit to the term podcaster because that implied commitment, but um, it kind of took off. And then I started doing some projects with some other folks. And so I'm on one with uh, Brandon Lee and Tom Burton called Social Selling for Newbies, which is basically wherever you are in your social selling journey, kind of walks you through, you know, how you can, um, you know, adopt new tools, adopt new practices. And then I do one called uh, Taming Your Sales Crocodiles, which is really just about um, heading your fears off at the pass in sales and uh, addressing your limiting beliefs. Um, it's uh, with Hilke Faber, who is a uh, best-selling author of Taming Your Crocodiles. So, uh, yeah, just really excited about those couple of forays. I'm learning a lot. Yeah, okay. And, of course, we've got some pretty big crocodiles down down here. So, Yes. <laughs> no, nice name. Nice name. Very relevant for us. Um, so, so Social Selling for Newbies, go and check that out. We've covered a lot of social selling stuff here in the past, so um, we probably don't need to do the, you know, why should you be on social? I think I, th I think we've done that, but I would like to actually look at the other side of that. Um, and I know this is a question without notice, but, you know, what do you think is going on with social at the moment? Is it losing any of its spark? You know, and if you look at the number one platform that a lot of people think about when we do think about social selling, we think about LinkedIn. You know, what are you seeing about its effectiveness? You know, are you still comfortable that it's worth it's worth it's um worth the effort there i mean are you seeing any variations in in quality or or you know are, are people like me who've been on the platform forever just complaining because it's changing what are your thoughts yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean hey, hey look we always appreciate the feedback so you know obviously full disclosure i, I work for microsoft who owns yeah. linkedin but um, i was using linkedin prior to joining uh microsoft yeah, nine years ago um and and I want to preface everything, Mark, by saying that you know I I always make sure that when I'm coaching and training social selling that you know I, I point out that your process, anyone listening's process is going to be very personal to them. It's going to involve the right tools, the right tools that get them closer to their audience. Um, so if your audience isn't on LinkedIn, then that's not your tool. Uh, but we've got to figure out how to how can we best get the intelligence and the connections and the meetings that we need to get in order to achieve what we want to achieve. Now, from a LinkedIn perspective, yeah, I think, you know, there's always going to be changes to some of these platforms and there's going to be shifts in effectiveness. And especially with the leveraging of artificial intelligence and, you know, the ability to have um, AI write a post for you uh, you're, or an email, you're going to see a lot of things change. But I think it ups the ante for the great sellers. Uh, because we are always going to be needed. Can these things complement and augment our strategy? Yes. 
but can they replace great salesmanship? No. And so I think that's where I've leveraged LinkedIn strictly for two things. One, to connect with and create relationships that I wouldn't have had otherwise, and also to nurture those relationships and stay top of mind. And so briefly, what I mean about that is, you know, being able to say, all right, here's my target customer organizations. Here's my target customer profile, the people that I want to connect with. Let me go out and meet with those folks. But what I do differently than most, I think, is that I really double down on the quality of my messaging, the quantity of outreach that I send, and then just the consistency, the consistency of execution over time. The biggest enterprise deal I ever closed, I reached out to over 500 people on LinkedIn. I had over 200 first-degree connections in that organization. My team and I created a groundswell of relationships. So um, even amidst you know a couple of years of sales cycle and seven significant C-level changes, we were so entrenched, even when their priorities shifted, that we managed to get the deal done. So, you know, I think that's the key element. LinkedIn, always going to make changes. I've picked up a lot of new tools for social selling over the years, some things that move in, some things that move out. But I think the key is, Mark, figure out where's your audience and what is going to help me meaningfully connect and stay at the pulse of them. That's it. Okay. I like that. So, look, the takeaway for me there was, and I'll just restate it, 200 people in the same organization, you were, you were, you know, I mean, that's talk, talk about managing stakeholders. That's a great job. You know, w w well done. So, how do we, so first of all, I guess you're saying you can absolutely break into large healthcare accounts, you know, or via, via social. And I think if I look at some of the customers I've trained and talked to recently, they suggest that maybe that wasn't the case. So, how do you get, how do you go about that at, at, a, at a base level? And I think you talk about building foundations a little bit as well, right? So, yeah, you know, Mark, look, I I love a challenge first off, and and I've definitely heard that that hey, you know, social selling just isn't really as uh, as needed in my large enterprise customer. You know, we have these great relationships with. Now I'm in the tech space, so IT procurement, um, but I always I kind of saw I, I kind of created this as a a way to solve a problem or to eliminate a problem at a high level. You know, I kept hearing, hey, we don't have enough pipeline in our organization, or we don't have the right relationships with senior stakeholders outside of IT and procurement. Even such things as a sales leader as, you know, hey, we're having challenges recruiting in this specific geography. But with LinkedIn and some of these other tools that I've leveraged and being able to do it at a high frequency, high scale, that's what's really helped me to get in. As a seller, Absolutely. There's been situations where I've reached out to one, two, five, ten executives, and I've gone over the room. It happens to all of us. But you better believe if I reach out to 500 people, I'm going to be getting some meetings. And so I'm willing to reach out to as many people as I need to to create that groundswell. And it's, it's a domino effect. Because once I start having quality meetings with the C-suite, I may not get the CEO or the CFO or the CIO right out of the gate. But I might get the VP IT, I might get the CTO, I might get the VP of finance. And if I can get some of these key conversations and start arming myself with intel, suddenly I become more valuable and more viable because I know what's at the pulse of that organization. Because then the next time I reach out to the CEO, I can say, based on the conversations that I'm having in your organization, um, you know, I'm hearing from finance, I'm hearing from manufacturing, I'm hearing from distribution, I'm hearing from supply chain, that these are the hot button issues. Um, 
I'd love to talk about some of the ways that we're helping, you know, other organizations of your of your ilk, or maybe I send them a story or a case study or whatever it is to try to get that meeting. And look, Mark, I mean, there's been situations where I got in the president's office with one LinkedIn message. And then there's been other situations where the first year company wouldn't give me the time of day, but I created ways to also stay top of mind. See, that's the other element. There's very focused, very niche outreach, and then there's scale outreach. You know, I would do my own webinars where I would spotlight, uh, you know, a different partner or a different technical specialist. And I'd run these things every couple of weeks. And I would invite folks that had maybe opted into our marketing or that had connected with me on LinkedIn. So even if they hadn't talked to me, I'm still inviting them to these events. And it's a free, passive way of getting them into the boat. Guess what? They come, they investigate. And now I'm one step closer to getting that meeting. And so I think for me, it's all about probability and odds. And I know that if I reach out to a lot of people with the best message possible, and I also find ways to have quality touches over time, that the chances I'm going to get good meetings and good intel and know how I can solve their problems, the chances go way up. Okay. So we're hearing a lot about people moving, and I'm an advocate of moving towards quality rather than quantity, but it sounds like you're still doing a lot of volume. Um, Is that... Is that volume being done on a with with, with high levels of personality, or or you're trying to just work on relevance, or you're sending the same message to 500 people? Um, you know, because I think when we start talking about volume, you know, there's it can become a little bit. Oh, do I just send the same thing to everyone? So just give us a little bit of a flavor about how how you do that. I love that question. So it, it's a balance, right? Because there are certain situations that you don't want to come in like a wrecking ball and you don't want to scare them off with some scale message that you sent out to the masses, right? On the flip side of that, you've got to be very cognizant that you're not going to get every meeting. You don't want to spend an hour prepping to send an email or make a phone call that they're never going to reply to or pick up the phone for, right? So I've tried to find balance over time. I found when I was first reaching out in a lot of situations, especially if maybe we had an existing relationship or maybe there was a non-existent relationship, you know, a lot of a lot of customers, I tried to take a very counterintuitive approach. You know, they would say things like, hey, uh, you're one of the biggest checks we write um, and I don't want to buy anything more. Or, you know, hey, I'm just trying to get value out of what I already own. Or, you know, hey, I've noticed that your your predecessors really only show up when it's time for renewal or this or that. They weren't feeling the love. So I took a very counterintuitive approach and I would actually show up to, uh, you know, showcase some of the resources that I had at my disposal, whether it was some whip smart industry executive that I could bring to bear or some very valuable story that spoke to uh, problems that I heard about in their earnings call. Um, so those mark obviously very personal, personalized to them. Um, where I would do scale messages, it would be more geared toward, you know, that look, you've made a very significant investment with our organization. And because of that, I want to make sure that you and your team are privy to all the resources that you're entitled to as a result of that. So I would try to show up with value right out of the gate. I, I gotta earn my keep. I have to earn the right to be the trusted advisor. That's not gonna happen unless I'm transparent, communicative, collaborative. I got to earn my keep right out of the gate. And I think that's where a lot of sellers perhaps 
go wrong is they think by showing up and throwing up and telling them every single thing that their company does so well that they're just going to magically get a meeting. It doesn't work like that. There's a lot of noise. These executives hear a lot of noise. And that's why I try to focus on quality, but also quantity, because I can't control. If I need 15 relationships in an organization to sell every single part of my platform, well, guess what? If I reach out to those 15 people, I may get one meeting, if that. But if I reach out to 100 people to try to get those 15 relationships, my odds go way up. And so that has been the very basis of my approach. You know, I think um, a lot of people will be surprised by that because we hope for one-for-one responses, right? So so you send one message, you don't get a reply. You send four messages, five messages, you don't get a reply. You think this is not working. But mm-hmm. what I'm hearing you saying is, well, what I think he's saying is we we just tend to accept that as part of part of the parcel and, you know, reach out to 100 people inside that organisation or 50 or 25 or whatever it is, you know, um, because we're going to get three or four responses and out of that we might get our, might get our meetings. And I think that's a, um, a valuable way to think about it. It's all about mindset, Mark. I mean, some people would say I reached out to 100 people and I got one meeting, right? It, this doesn't work. But if I reach out to 100 people and I get one meeting, I say, I got a meeting. Yeah, And I'm, I'm well on my way because I know what I can do with that meeting. And that's what it's all about. And your odds will go up over time. You know, I mean, I've been doing social selling for 10 years. You know, when I started out reaching out to prospects, I might have had a 15, 20% acceptance rate of a connection request. Now it's closer to 50. And I'm talking about C-level, VP-level executives within customer organizations. And it's all about the messaging that I'm choosing to use, how I choose to connect with them. And again, there are ways to reach out very focused, very personalized. You know, maybe you call out the, you know, the alma mater that they went to college with. You call out, a, you know, an interest on their page, a sports team they like, something they said in their post. You engage with their post. You know, you can go out and you can hit the notification on their post so that every time they post, you're notified. You can comment on it, engage on it. You can really double down on one or two executives or organizations. And then on the flip side of that, you can also do things that are very much at scale uh, for that organization. You know, going out and looking at Sales Navigator and, you know, lining up. These are the folks that I need to connect with. And these are, you know, not just the influencers, but also the influencers of influencers, and then going out and trying to create a connection with each of them. Send out 100 connection requests. Maybe you get 40, accept. You wait a week. Maybe you do some research on each of those folks, and then you reach out with a more targeted reply. And guess what? You're going to get some meetings out of that. And that's the very basis by which I, I judge that on. And that's why consistency is the third key pillar, because you can't just water your garden once and expect it to sprout. You got to do these things, schedule uh, what Jeb Blunt likes to call that sacred uh, prospecting time, you know, schedule time every week to go out and do that same activity. And guess what? Over the course of months, quarters, years, you're going to get a lot of meetings. You're going to add a lot of pipeline. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Compounding effort really works in prospecting almost regardless of what channel you use. So, So you must spend a fair bit of time on LinkedIn, I would imagine. Say again? You must spend a fair amount of time <laughs> on LinkedIn, I would imagine. Not not as much as you'd think. You know, um, I think the key element, Mark, is making sure that you have, you're very intentional about what you do with LinkedIn. So I'll probably spend a little bit of time in the morning. I try to make a post every day of some sort. And my posts are usually intended to do a number of things. You know, there may be a 
you know, maybe one day it's more of a motivational type post. Maybe the next day it's more of a sharing an experience type of post. Uh, maybe another day I'm sharing uh, something that my organization has done with a customer organization and it's a great story. Because here's the thing, when you make posts about your company, usually the folks that like it or comment or engage are from your own company. So it's not your customers that are caring about, oh, how great my organization is. No, I want to talk about what our customers are doing or enabled or empowered to do because of what we've done with them, right? So I think it's shine the spotlight on somebody else, not yourself, not on your your organization. So some of my posts are geared toward that. But I usually try to spend a little bit of time in the morning, get a post out, um, and you know, maybe later in the day, revisit and just kind of stay on top of comments and things like that. I'll keep, I'm not going to lie, I'll keep my LinkedIn browser up so that if I'm getting a lot of messages, you know, I can try to stay on top of that. I do get a lot of messages. Sometimes it's hard to respond to all of them. Uh, but, you know, the reality is I've, I've got a day job and, uh, you know, I, I try to focus a lot on, you know, the the day to day. But if I'm going in there to LinkedIn 25, 30 minutes every day and I'm doing some type of activity to, to prospect and continue to perpetuate my brand, my reputation, what I want to be known for, and at the same time invest in and create customer relationships, you know, that creates quite a body of work over the, the, the months and quarters and years to come. Yeah. Okay. Well done. So... My guess is, you know, you just don't spend, you're not just prospecting on LinkedIn, right? So how does this tie into other channels, both other social channels? Because I know you've got a really big following on Twitter. Um, people on this podcast are sick of me telling people to get on Twitter. I, 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 I'm a Twitter fan. Not everyone is. I get it. Um, but, you know, what other channels do you use, including so, social channels and, and to, to try and get through to those people? And how do you put them all together? I love that question because I think, you know, a lot of people gravitate toward what maybe they're most comfortable with. And I'll gravitate toward anything. I won't discriminate against any platform where I might be able to create a quality relationship. Um, and what's interesting, you know, for for business purposes, for the last several years in sales, LinkedIn has been number one, right? I mean, that's where I've been able to connect and meet with customers and turn that into live authentic relationships. Okay. So that's that's the most important. Uh Twitter has been good for uh, Intel, you know, following organizations. Um, I've sold a lot of books out on Twitter. Um, I, that's where I've seen a ton of value. I mean, I've got almost 300,000 followers there. Um, Instagram, I've used uh, TikTok to my daughter's chagrin. I've tried that and, you know, put videos out there, more, more motivational type stuff. But, you know, I think we're, you've got to be where your audience is, right? And so I, I, I grapple uh, between a couple of different personas that that have nothing to do with one another as well. You know, on the one hand, um, I am a practitioner and I am still out in the field, you know, creating relationships with executives and trying to solve business problems for our uh, for our customers. And on the other hand, uh, a persona that this persona cares nothing about is, you know, being known in the sales community um, you know, having written books and, and uh, you know, talking about leadership and culture and things of that nature. And these are kind of in conflict, right? And their audiences are in different places. So where I play with this audience is a lot of times it is on LinkedIn, but it's also could be on Facebook, could be on Twitter, could be on Instagram, could be on TikTok, um, could be on my WordPress blog. Um, and then on this persona, it's very LinkedIn sales navigator driven. Um, I spend a lot of time with, you know, subscribing to email alerts, 
uh, you know, subscribing to business journals, subscribing to trade magazines. I'm in healthcare, so I subscribe to every trade magazine I can get my hands on so that I can stay at the pulse of what's happening over here. Um, so, you know, I think that's the key element is you've just got to think about the mediums that you're comfortable with. You've got to think, you know, and, and really double down on that. And then also look at where is my audience and go out and find them. I wonder how many people these days subscribe to their clients' journals, trade magazines. Um, Carson, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, so I, I used to sell fast-moving consumer goods, right? And I used to subscribe to the grocery uh, trade magazine that talked about where you place products on the shelf to get the maximum. Now, I was not interested in that, but it helped with the conversations that I had when I was talking to large retailers. Yes. Um, you know, because we go into the head office, what they what are they focused on? You know, where they put things on the shelf. So that um, that, that whole thing is called planogramming. Um, not many people will know that. <laughs> I do. I used to work in the grocery business. So I've looked at the planograms in my day. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, so, and, I, and I think salespeople today can get, particularly on LinkedIn. You know, it's it's easy to follow the people that are talking about sales because that interests you. But how much time are you really spending focusing on talking on things that your clients are interested in? I think that's a real trap. So that's a great call out. So. Um, I mean, I'm conscious of your time and, and I'm very pleased that you've come on. If people have been listening to this and they, they take one thing away or they go and do one thing differently, what, what, what would that message be or that one thing be from you? Be super intentional with building the foundation for your success. You know, at the beginning of every fiscal year, I will take time and kind of take a step back and I will study. Um, I am a student of sales. And I'll look back at the prior year, what got me paid? What didn't that I maybe need to get rid of or change, right? So I'll study the things that got me paid, got my team paid, and I will double down on those and try to figure out how do I replicate that? The other thing from a foundational perspective, I am very big on relationships and resources. So I am not, you know, I'm in technology today. I'm not a super technical guy. I'm just very resourceful. I know the smart people that I need to bring into the room, but I can get the door open better than most anyone. And that's the key. That's my superpower. So know what your superpowers are, build your strategy around that, figure out who you need in the boat with you. And then the other element is the relationships. You know, I gamify sales. I build out an Excel grid that has all my customers, what they own, where there's white space, what I can go after, okay? Then I also know the plays that I need to execute and how I can execute them, all right? So I want to grow this area, this area. I want to sell more of this widget, this metric. Great. How am I going to do that? What's the message? And then, you know, you just really double down on the relationships and the resources. I'm big on people and process. And so if I can spend that time building the foundation and then just every day, I've got my daily non-negotiables. I go through that list. I look at my grid. This is where I need to stay grounded and stay focused. And if I really think about, you know, what do I need to do with this customer today? Is there a, you know, a nudge, an outreach? Is there somebody I need to help me? Um, you know, if there is, do it. If there's not, move on down the list. And that's the key. I just try to stay very organized and focused on people and process, but take the time to build the foundation and study what works and what doesn't. And just because something doesn't work, kind of like social selling, right? It's a lot of people that say social selling doesn't work. doesn't mean it doesn't work. It might just need a small tweak to make a large difference. I can see why you're so successful, Carson. You speak very well. You've obviously got a very organized mind, focusing on strategy and then on the execution. That's like the, the gold medal right there for sales. Like that's, that's I'm awesome. having fun. 
I've been really fortunate, Mark. Sales has been very good to me. Um, I met my wife in sales and, uh, you know, I've had a lot of uh, great relationships formed in the selling ecosystem, including right here. So I appreciate you having me today. No, no problem. I really, and thanks for coming on at the, the podcast that, uh, you know, you shared some really good uh, nuggets there that people can take away and take action on. Can people get, so we've obviously got the two books, we've, we've got the social selling for newbies. You know, how else can people interact with you? Are you, are you open to connecting with people on, on LinkedIn, et cetera? Tell us about how, how can they get more of cars? Absolutely. I, I would welcome that. I, I love connecting with uh, with sellers around the world. That's been the best part of it all. So uh, LinkedIn is a great place to connect. Um, I'm also out on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, TikToks, but I don't do any dances. <laughs> mate, thank you for coming on the Best of Sales Skills podcast, mate. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much for your time. I had a blast, Mark. Thanks so much.